Oh, so good to be in this room with you all. A full room, a full band. Thank you, everyone. And a full cross with uh, new life. I love it. It's been, uh, what a morning so far, just to gather together in the space and uh, specifically want to welcome you if you haven't been a while. You've maybe been, you've returned from COVID or your family, friends visiting. Um, you're welcome here. My name is Scott and I'm one of the pastors uh, with Artisan Church. And I think I'm overjoyed because uh, two years ago, our, our Easter, our first Easter in COVID, we were doing this. And uh, it's just not as inspiring. Uh, the next picture I liked to Jalen and Matt. Uh, Jalen seen here singing sweet lullabies uh, as Matt falls asleep. <laughs> and then last year, of course, was amazing. Oh, wait a second. Nope, it wasn't. We were doing this again. We tried. Fill your screens with color. I think that was the idea. Uh, but nothing beats this. Being in person, being with you all. I'm just so grateful and overwhelmed. And I want to say a shout out to all the people streaming from online land. Uh, there's a camera set up there by uh, that speaker. So if you're in that corner of the room and you don't want your conversations to be heard, uh, just have them over on this side. <laughs> um, I, I was also just inspired to thinking of the global church today. Uh, many are gathering, millions to celebrate the risen Christ. Uh, in Rome, pictured here, St. Peter's Square. St. Peter's Square in Vatican City. Easter is returning to the square for the first time in two years. And all the obvious limits there. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I'd love to go there one day. Anyone been there? Wow. Crazy. Uh, of course, our Orthodox brothers and sisters celebrating next weekend. And, uh, and just this for our reference, we are uh, technically a downtown Eastside church. And here are our other uh, brother and sister churches in the downtown Eastside, including Strathcona Vineyard, St. James Anglican, Salvation Army, Anchor of Hope, Boundless, African Fountain Chapel, who meets upstairs on the fourth floor now. And Coastal Church, First United Street Church, Chinatown, Peace Church, The Way. Uh, I was wondering, would it be okay if we stopped and prayed for our fellow uh, brothers and sisters in the hood? Yeah, let's do that. Would you join me in praying for them? Oh, thank you, God, that we are not doing this alone. Uh, that we are not just a small enclave of people doing crazy things. But there are other people doing crazy things and celebrating uh, your life, and that you're risen, that you're here, that you are real, and with us, and for us. I thank you for these churches listed, and I pray a blessing on them this morning, that you would surprise them by your spirit, show up, speak, move in those gatherings that are happening all across this neighborhood, and across our city. We pray in Jesus' name. Also pray, God, for the faithful gathering in Russia, and in Ukraine, those that follow the way of Jesus and are looking for hope in hopeless places, we uh, ask your blessing on them as well. Amen. Um, well, obviously, uh, you can tell by my suit 
that this is a high point in the church calendar. <laughs> and uh, we uh, focus and are un un unapologetic about bringing uh, light to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yaroslav Pelikan says, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. It is from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendars. It's by his name that millions curse and in his name that millions pray. Um, we said in the opening prayer, love that, uh, we're not here to commemorate a dead hero, but to worship a living God. And we sang, my Redeemer lives. Christ is risen. Yeah. Another thing, I'm just going to, I'm going to take advantage of this, that I have the mic here, but can I invite us all, we don't do this regularly, but maybe we should make it a regular practice, is to recite uh, the Apostles' Creed together. Uh, a lot of churches do this every Sunday. I thought this would be an appropriate time to do it together. And would you stand with me if you're able to recite the Apostles' Creed together? Um, just a quick pastoral note. Uh, if you are hesitant about saying, I believe this, 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 I think a, a really helpful way to think about it is, I'm believing into. We've talked about this before, how uh, it's not that we are certain and we know, and there's all the evidence points to this and this and this, uh, but we're believing into. And even if you haven't yet determined you, you'd like to believe into, to say it anyway and to join in um, or not. So let's say the Apostles' Creed together uh, with our full voices. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. seat or stand for the whole sermon you choose any challengers no okay on this resurrection Sunday of 2022 we're gonna look at the lectionary reading um, which is from Luke 24 Lilia thank you for reading that this morning uh, verse 1 to 12 Luke a bit of background on his book that he wrote about Jesus life is a doctor and he was inspired to write an account of Jesus' life. Um, and it's actually the first of two parts, first Luke and then Acts, both written by Luke. Um, it can be funny in the church world to talk about the Bible as the inspired word of God. What does it mean to be inspired? Uh, is it like this? Um, I think in this case is more in fact like this. And for those watching online, you can't see the picture. A detective in front of a crime board, piecing together the mystery. 
This is Luke. His attention to detail is our gift. He even prefaces this at the beginning, a long introduction. Not a lot of the gospel writers do. Uh, Luke says in the very first chapter, many have undertaken to draw upon up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Uh, so we're gonna look at Dr. Luke's account of the resurrection, and we're going to the last chapter in his biography, chapter 24. And this is just part of the picture. There's other nuances and details that give us the full picture of the resurrection account in all of the gospels. And I invite you to read those, but today we're gonna look at Luke. Luke 24, verse one to 12. Lilia has already read it again beautifully, but I'm gonna read it one more time. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They, went, uh, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, which was totally expected and normal for them to see. They had no questions at all. Two angels stood beside them and passed on the basic instructions before leaving earth. This is exactly how they expected it to go and immediately moved on toward phase two of the plan. Phase two of the resurrection from the dead plan began with notifying the rest of the disciples. They did this smoothly and without any hiccups. They were all on board and had no questions or wonderings about what happened at all. Then the church was birthed and totally nailed it. From day one on all the way through history until today, the end. This is not the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, yes. What strikes me in this, the real version of Luke's account is how surprised they were. It's almost like they didn't expect it. There wasn't a clear succession plan. When Jesus left, here's what you do. The real version as Lilia read, is filled with surprise, confusion, fear, excitement, and wonder. It's actually a bit chaotic. And I appreciate this from Luke, who pays such close attention to detail. He allows the chaos to set in. He's like, well, this is what actually happened. So I'm gonna tell it the way it was. The woman, Mary, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, they saw the empty tomb and their first reaction wasn't, okay, now we know what to do. It was wondering, what, what happened? Two angelic beings came and they were absolutely terrified. The angels had to remind them, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, remember? Be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Remember Jesus told you a couple times? And they're like, what? So they go back to tell their friends, the other followers of Jesus, but they don't believe them. 
Their words seemed to them like nonsense. Then Peter, who needed personal proof, seeking to understand for himself, he ran up and he went to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he, too, went away wondering what had happened. I love that. I find this almost humorous, that their response is surprise and shock and wonder. Jesus, arguably the greatest leader of all time, the perfect rabbi, God incarnate, it comes to this pinnacle event, his resurrection. This is, this is the moment, the high point in the church calendar, and his followers didn't know what to do. I, I'm just saying this, but if I were Jesus, I would have been a bit more strategic, a bit more detailed, maybe a bit more helpful. I'm, uh, I don't know if you know this, I'm going on sabbatical in a couple weeks, and I've got lists. I've got pages of things to pass on to the staff team and the lead team. There's been meetings and conversations, and I'm just going for three and a half months. And it, the whole world's salvation isn't at stake. Someone told me this and it resonated with me. If I'm talking loudly or fast, it's because I'm excited and I've had little sleep. <laughs> Preface. Someone told me this though, and it resonated with me that Jesus gave his followers, ah, there we go. Jesus gave his followers a compass, not a roadmap. He knew the landscape would be changing. He knew that the most important thing wasn't documents and workflows, exact step-by-step instructions. He gave them something way more valuable. He gave himself. And those that followed apprenticed in this way. And the gift of apprenticeship is that they didn't have to consult a manual, that they could ask, and I, I, I have problems, theological problems with this, but um, what would Jesus do? That was kind of like, that was their compass. And how did he embed this compass into his followers? His strategic plan is way better than I could ever think of. Knowing he was leaving, knowing the fate of the church depended on this movement, what did he do? Well, and this is a long list. I'm gonna go through it quickly. His strategic plan, it included a lot of hiking, fishing, praying, eating, forgiving, restoring limbs, renewing souls, healing blindness, sometimes with mud and spit, regularly attending synagogue worship, sometimes getting kicked out, challenging religious leaders, eating with people he loved and eating with people he shouldn't, traveling, boating, rough and calm, water, walking, attending weddings, wine making, more eating, meals for small groups and also for very, very large groups, teaching, resting, teaching on resting, resting from teaching, Sabbathing, praying, welcoming including children, welcoming and including women, welcoming and including sinners, welcoming and including pretty much everyone, flipping tables, rebuking systems of oppression, bringing good news to the poor, proclaiming freedom to the captives, giving sight to the physically and spiritually blind, setting the oppressed free, proclaiming favor to the outsider, and so on. What? <laughs> All right. What strikes me about Jesus' apprenticeship is how highly communal 
active and messy it is. It's like the best neighborhood group ever. <laughs> they practice the way of Jesus in the four directions to their maximum, upward, worship, and prayer, and inward, knowing and being known, and outward, not just staying inward focused and in the group's interest, but outward toward the world and withward, such a deep bond. And this is what produced the type of disciples that knew in their heart of hearts what the way of Jesus was. Their Jesus compass was strong. They had followed in the dust of their rabbi through low lows and high highs. They may, they may have not been the quickest when it came to the response or realizing the resurrection had happened, but that wasn't the point. He had immersed uh, them in an apprenticeship that was so encompassing of their whole lives. As theologian Nancy Claire Pittman says, resurrection after all is not some buoyant idea unconnected to the real world. It is an invitation to live as Jesus lived, a doorway to a life in which meals are shared with enemies. Healing is offered to the hopeless. Prophetic challenges are issued to the powerful. Only now it is not Jesus who does these things. It is we ourselves who see at last the subversive power of the resurrection in order to live it now. Amen, thank you, Nancy. And today again, or for the first time, we are invited to live into this transformative, life-changing, communal, messy, resurrection life. And Jesus comes to us with his hand outstretched saying, will you follow me? I think uh, this passage is great also because it mentions one barrier, a hindrance to living into the reality and the fullness of resurrection life. And it comes in this passage around verse five and six, a question from the angelic being. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. And I know from personal experience of being a human and not a great one at times, most times, I look for life among dead things, often. Pittman again, we are just as guilty of such a fruitless search. We too want to tend to the corpses of long dead ideas and ideals. We cling to former visions of ourselves and our churches as if they might come back to life as long as we hold on to them. We grasp our loved ones too tightly, refusing to allow them to change, to become bigger or smarter or stronger. We choose to stay with what we know in our hearts to be dead because it is safe, malleable, and so susceptible to burnishing through private memory. The words of the unworldly messengers are a challenge to stop hanging on to the dead and move into new life. They're reminders that the Holy One dwells wherever new life bursts forth. Are we guilty sometimes of choosing the safe but maybe lifeless path? A temptation to search for life 
in dead places. I love this uh, passage from Romans, the message translation. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. So, in the words of Mary Oliver, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? This resurrection life is an active communal pursuit. I don't know if you picked up on this, but in the text, even the words that are used, like found, find, look, wondered, wondering, Peter got up and ran. These are seeking words. These are words of curiosity. The, uh, the early followers, they may have been totally disorganized, but they were seeking actively. And a question for us, where are we at? How are we doing? How are we doing in the curiosity department? Can Easter still surprise us? Is resurrection even still possible? What say you? <laughs> what say? You don't have to answer right now, but we are increasingly growing into this value, which comes from our Anabaptist tradition, uh, that says the wisdom isn't just from the front, from the preacher or the pastor. The wisdom is in the room. Um, the spirit, I trust, is living and active here and even among us now. And through the songs and prayers and through scripture, you've been hearing things, you've been wondering things, you have questions. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living and active here and now. And not just here and now, here and now. The past, uh, well, let's pause. In that spirit, would anyone like to offer something? A question, a wondering, a thought, a response to that question, can Easter still surprise us? Anyone burning with something that has to be said or we need to hear that isn't from this guy up here? Yeah. Hi everyone, happy Easter. My name is Todd. Uh, this cross really surprises me. Just speaking of tending dead things, personally I've never seen a cross be decked with flowers or life. It's usually just a wooden cross. Uh, even though we might bring our own life to it, seeing it literally burst to life is Probably one of the most beautiful things I've seen. So, very surprising. Thanks. Anyone else want to offer something? I'm totally okay with awkward silences, just so you know. Too comfortable. I will out-awkward you. <laughs> any day. I can just stroll around. 
Whoa. Okay, we got double sisters. Rebecca. Um, I was just thinking again this morning about about that element of surprise, like just the reminder again that the disciples were not expecting, they were not expecting him to, to rise again. Um, and so there was this, this place of just total disillusionment and, and lack of hope. And I think we can all, um, uh, yeah, to, relate with a sense of that in these last couple of years, especially, you know, this sense of like, what, what are you doing? What is happening in this world? Is there still space for hope? Like, where are we headed? Um, and so, yeah, just, just a, a reminder again that there is a plan outside of what we can imagine. There is still space for hope. Can get a little more volume on this, Josh? Um, hi, happy Easter. I'm Shauna. Um, when we were walking here this morning, my, my three-year-old broke his flower on the way here, and he did not have a total meltdown, which was a new, which was a new stage. Um, and I was reminded of early on in the pandemic, when he was only a year and a half, and uh, his pancake broke, and he just started sobbing and could not, like, gather himself. And I wanted to kind of, like, Hey, hey, it's just a pancake, you're gonna eat it, it's the same in your tummy. Um, but the truth is, like, he was discovering something about being human, which is that, like, some things break and can't be put back together. Uh, sorry, guys, I, do, I always do this. Um, uh, and so in the idea of, like, holding on to dead things, I was thinking a lot about, at that time, especially because it was the beginning of the pandemic, too, how we don't really want things to be made new. What we really want is them to be made old again. Uh, because we liked it that way, we felt safe that way. Even if it wasn't totally working, at least it was something we knew. Um, and so like in that broken pancake and stuff, you know, I, I see this, this desire for us to hold on to things. Um, and it can't be fixed, maybe. But it can be made new, but we don't, we're not sure we want that. And so I wonder what, where that invitation or opening is. Thank you, Shana. Rebecca. I, I could I could hear from two more people. Uh, hi, my name's Ivy, um, and I'm 15. So you know I'm, you know, a kid <laughs> compared to most of the people here. Um, but I was I've been thinking about this as well, like being surprised, especially with you know, being 15. You're growing out of being a kid, so Easter is starts to become different. You like. You know, an Easter egg hunt isn't the same anymore. And it, you know, it doesn't, it just, you know, you're tall enough, you can see all the, you can see all the Easter eggs when you just stand there, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I was just thinking, I was like, okay, Easter, I don't know if I'm still gonna like do the egg hunt because I've got quite a few younger family members. And so we usually, every year do a big hunt and it's like, okay, cool, but like, can I still be surprised and have fun by it? And what I think I've seen today just from, your sermon and everything is that we're not surprised by traditions, but rather the people that accompany them. I haven't been to church in two years because of the pandemic, and uh, being here with this community, it's I was surprised by how much I cared. 
Thank you so much. I'm glad you came today to bring that word. So one more person that has something to say. We just have to hear right now. Kristen, way at the back. Greetings, I am Kirsten. Um, I have been feeling quite hopeless lately. And then this morning I came to church and was like, oh my gosh, there's so much like joy and life in this space. And it was even before all the people were here. And the more that people came, the more that that felt like the case. And I think what was surprising to me is like, and I don't know why it's surprising because it's always been true, but like circumstantially, nothing changed between yesterday and today, but hope and joy are not tied to our circumstances. And I, I think I was surprised by that and knew this morning. Thanks, Kirsten. Oh, see, that was worth it, I think. Thank you, Spirit. Thank you, everyone who shared. Um, throughout the weeks following, we're going to be looking, following the lectionary readings, which look at some of the appearances of Jesus and kind of what next. I had, this, um, I had this feeling inside of me, this nagging of like, oh, this sermon just isn't enough. It's, it's not complete. And, uh, and then I felt this peace at the same time. That's okay. And because it's not everything and it's not doing everything today, and just like we heard, we had pieces of wisdom from the room and we share them together. But can I share one last thing? sort of an inspiration. I've just been looking for finding those shoots of life to draw inspiration from. And uh, this week I've just been surprised that Easter can still be a surprise. After my 42nd Easter uh, this year, it can still be surprising. And um, yeah, part of that is, uh, this is kind of where I sh show and tell something that's been meaningful to me, but is uh, this man, John Baptiste. Um, and he was nominated for 11 Grammys this year. He scored the music for Soul, Disney Pixar, um, band leader for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And he, to me, is someone that just exudes joy, curiosity, and wonder. If you've ever heard an interview with him or heard him talk, just his laugh alone is like, oh, I want to be his best friend. He is so, so inspiring. And he said this thing in an interview that stuck out to me. He said that the joy of living is still available to us. The joy of living is still available to us. After I learned that his wife, his recent wife, uh, was just diagnosed with cancer, and they got married in the hospital room just before she had a bone marrow trans, uh, transplant. Is that the right word? It's a, it's a very serious operation. And they're like, yeah, this is the time. We're going to get married before this. And I just was struck by how profound the joy that I've seen in pictures and interviews and his music is so, so deep. Um, after doing some digging on this guy, uh, I realized, or I learned that in 2020, he started what he calls love riots. 
During a lot of the protests against police brutality, these love riots were peaceful protests in New York where um, people brought their own instruments. And it was essentially a music march. And he responded to the question, why do this? He said, they said, we aren't human. Talking about his black brothers and sisters. But we are, that's the response. And in an interview with the New York Magazine, The Cut, um, he was asked the question, how are you so productive? How are you so productive? I mean, he's, the, the dude's done tons of stuff. Music, film, TV, like he's so busy. And his answer was just awesome. It's interesting that you call it productive. I don't separate my life from my creative practice from my connection to the creator. So it's not necessarily that I'm productive. It's more about a flow state. I love that. And the, the interviewer, what's, what's this flow state? And how do I get into it? Is it? And followed by the worst interview questions ever. Is, is it work-life balance? Is it a routine? Like, what, how do you do this? And he, and he said just simply, you can't routine your way into it. In my faith and in the black church, we call it the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, it's something that strikes you like, oh, my goodness. And all you can do is be in service to it. I love that. How many of you want a bit of that flow state? Me too. I want more of this. Give me the flow state. Maybe... Uh, Maybe a similar idea is Thomas Merton's quote, if I find him, I will find myself. If I find my true self, I will find him. Knowing God, knowing ourselves, it's connected. And just to bring it to a close here on this Resurrection Sunday 2022, Barbara Brown Taylor, one of my dear friends who's never met me, uh, just brings it home with this Easter, Easter connection. She says, now I value Easter as the reminder that you never know where life is going to come from next. And there's no sense being attached to the day before yesterday because the day before yesterday is dead and today something is alive. So why not follow the life and see where it leads with some kind of trust in the Spirit's ability to blow where nobody expected to blow and in a direction nobody expected to go into and be willing to be blown away. Thank you, Barb. An invitation for us then to remember and wonder and to follow the life. In the middle of this passage we've read, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Today we remember, we rehearse the story of Christ's resurrection. And I want to encourage us to be active, to find ways, to look for ways, pursue ways to remember, and not just the story of Christ's resurrection, but our own resurrection. And then the very last verse of this passage, Peter, however, got up 
and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Again, the invitation to remember and the invitation to wonder, to think about what has happened. Even today, what has happened today, what has been said and shared, and not to forget, but to actively seek.